0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Find Your Adventure podcast. Find Your Adventure was founded by two wannabe adventurers following a hike through the expansive landscape of Swedish Lapland. Simon's a father of two, an Englishman living in Sweden, just north of Uppsala. His adventures started as he worked his way through cubs, into scouts, and progressed through the highly respected Duke of Edinburgh award scheme. He's planning lots more adventures in the near future, having hiked here in the UK and at home over in Sweden. He intends to take his adventures around the world to explore a whole host of wild and far-flung lands. Right now though he's super lucky to live in Sweden which seems to have endless wilderness and forest to explore and what's more he gets to show it all to his kids too. I'm Carl and I'm a mere 43 years young and getting younger by the hour. I'm married with two little terrors in tow, a dog called Dash and the most nonchalant cat you ever did meet. Her name's Binzie, and I named her after a hill in the English Lake District. I've been hiking, trail running and canoeing, and exploring my way around wild places of the UK and occasionally overseas for more than a decade now. I've walked the whole way across Scotland a few times, and I guess my speciality is laying down a route which is both wild and challenging. I get a real kick out of introducing folks to the hills, and so does Simon, and that's why we formed Find Your Adventure, with a view to inspiring other people to begin finding their own adventures wherever and whatever they may be. It seems appropriate, given that the concept for Find Your Adventure was formed while Simon and I were um, were hiking the northern section of the Kungschladen, that the uh, the first guests we have for you are about to head out and do a proper job by backpacking the entire length of the Kungschladen from Hemavan in the south to Abisko in the north. So it gives me great pleasure to uh, introduce you to Chrissy and Jeff Crowther. Should we, should we kick off then and, uh, and just um, start with um, you, Chrissy, if that's all right? Just tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a retired primary teacher. Um, up till 10 years ago, I've been in mountain rescue for about 20 years as well. And we've done a, quite a lot of backpacking trips for quite a number of years, really, in the States, anything from... A night out, so, so like seven nights out. We used to go every summer to the States. Yeah. Um once we kind of were getting to retirement, them, we wasn't really there for going to the States every year. <laughs> so so we, we sort of moved over to Europe as more of a you know, concentrating on Europe and mm. um have started doing a lot more backpacking in the UK and then into Sweden. So, uh, that's so, me in a nutshell. I think. So,
0: what took you out to the states? What was the um, the draw there? Did you have connections out there, or?
1: Oh gosh, um, historically, I'd I'd been used to going to the states once or twice a year in like a previous existence, if you like. Before yep. I met up with Jeff. Yeah. And and by that point, my parents also they had retired out to the states by the time I met Jeff as well and then they moved to Canada as well. Uh, Funnily enough, though, we hardly ever used to see my parents when we went out to the States (laughs) because we had a different agenda other than seeing them, so... It's fair to say that
2: Oscar's parents were initially in Florida
1: and later in Canada.
2: He started doing the obvious summer holiday stuff in Florida and the like, and then we realised together that we like, we enjoyed traveling in the States. And it was only a short hop then to think, I wonder if you could do some serious outdoor stuff over here. Well, yeah. You know, and, and that's the process that we went to. And then we got into a, a habit, if you like, of doing every summer holiday around backpacking trips.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You sort, you sort of drift into that kind of a, of a habit. It's not the sort of thing you're going to want to stop in a, in a hurry, is it?
1: Exactly. No. <laughs>
0: Oh, Smashing, what about you, Jeff? Then um, tell, tell me about you.
2: Okay, well, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of overlap here because I'm also a retired primary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, been retired for 10 years now. And uh, we, we met through Mountain Rescue. So we've both been Mountain Rescue teams. I've got 27 years experience. Yeah. And uh, at the same time as Chrissy did about 10 years ago. And the final seven years, I was a team leader of the rescue, rescue, team. Okay. Um, and in terms of outdoor stuff, as if that wasn't rough, um, <laughs> I've been messing about in the outdoors since I was in my early thirties. Yeah. Um, I was sixty-five, so that adds up to thirty odd years of experience. And I've been backpacking since since my mid-thirties when I started fiddling uh, about with silly stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, and then the the rest of it overlaps is what Chris said basically. Right, Lots of yeah. before we started doing this year. and then and then we over the last few years have started branching out into Scandinavia, having done a bit of stuff in Europe.
0: Yeah. So did you did you guys serve on the same team in mountain mountain rescue? Then is that how you met? Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, well, we, we did. I, I, I was in Calder Valley. Yeah. Then I moved town, which is based, was then based in Hebden Bridge, to move there. And then I moved and joined Holm Valley, mm-hmm. where the block was. Um, we got together. and when we came down here, the bulk of our time has been with kinder team and uh, for the last my last three years i was one of the deputy leaders in kinder as well so the bulk of the time, our time together has been in kinder team
0: right so that must be a busy team then
1: it's Relative. relatively it's a lot a lot busier than the other teams we were in
0: yeah well that's what i was thinking
1: it's not as busy as the lakes
2: obviously. well no
0: <laughs> but the,
2: the, the problem with pro- with it, it's that um, since we were both at the sharp end of the operational management of the team, it became that uh, the way I the way I rationalised it eventually was that we both had two jobs: one that we paid for and one that we weren't. Yeah. So there wasn't a day went by when there wasn't something to do, even if it was just answering an email or a phone call. There was always something to do over and above operational call outs. So it's, it pretty much took over our lives to the point where when we left, um, we realised how much it had affected, affected us and it was good to be able to get back into having the freedom to see what we wanted to do again.
0: Yeah, sort of a more rec- recreational outdoors than, uh, than a duty mm-hmm. for one, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. So... Um, I mean, obviously, you know, strangers to backpacking. Um, and I mean, where did it start for you, Chrissy? What, what, what sort of got you on your first um, outdoor venture, if you like, or adventure?
1: Do you mean backpacking or
0: well, just outdoors generally, really? Where did it all sort of stem back to? Was it was it school? Was it? Oh well,
1: well, no, it was my parents really. Yeah. I mean, we used to go to the dales a lot when I was, I'm talking like ten and under. Yeah, and inglebrough was something we went up regularly um so i think the first time i was i went up Ingleborough, i was six so that was it was it was a lot of it was centered around wensleydale and swaledale yeah and my parents i mean i don't know if, if most people were like this in the 60s really you know <laughs> you didn't go, you didn't go up in with a rucksack and hiking boots you went up in Trainers or wellies, and a cotton under out with a Mars bar in your pocket. You know? <laughs> what, whatever the weather, and that was how we sort of spent holidays walking around the dales. I guess, so it, I, guess a, back,
0: sorry, I, I guess was sorry. In, I guess I guess was a bit of a sort of a backyard strolling, a bit like me walking around the local park or up the railway line down in Suffolk. Yeah. It was a bit like that for you guys.
1: Well, yeah, and um, in those days in the sixties, you know, it have the. The busyness that it has now. No, no. I mean, I could I can remember a lot of it quite clearly, but um, you know, you, you might meet half a dozen people on the mm. top, and that would be it. Was, anybody who did the three peaks then was like a how should I say died in the wool walker who was taking on the challenge as a personal thing, not it wasn't the charity things that go on today.
0: Yeah, yeah. I can I can imagine I can well and that's
2: imagine. the three peaks meant the three peaks of Yorkshire.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I know. Say that as an auction but nevertheless,
2: joking apart, is true. People mention three peaks That's what it meant Yeah. Back uh, then, absolutely. Was, yeah. Different. Yeah. Different
0: then. Now it requires some explanations as to which one you're doing and, and how long you're doing it over and all the rest that's of right, it, doesn't it?
2: That's
0: right. Yeah. So, um, right with with backpacking then, um, you, you've obviously been out all over the world backpacking, and um, and you're now revisiting Sweden because you've you've been out there before, haven't you?
1: We have yes. What yes.
0: Have, what have you done out there so um, far then?
1: Sorry sorry Carl.
0: What have you done out there so far?
1: Well, in two thousand and fifteen, um, I got an invite to go out with James. Mhm. And we went to Sarac.
0: Yeah, that's uh, James Bolter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just over a week. Yeah. And and then after I after we came back, Jeff and I decided to go out together. And that time, James had already been twice before I went with him. And oh, OK. So Jeff and I looked at actually the first thing James had done, which was the Abyssal to Nicola Wacht thing. Yeah. But not really on the consulate, and it was kind of avoiding the consulate as much as possible. Yeah. So Jeff and I did that together. And then two years ago, Jeff and I then went to Sarek mm-hmm. um, together accessing Sarak from kvikyok like james and i had accessed sarach from kvikyok as well yeah so that's that's it, so far, it? yeah so this this year this
2: this time we
1: be our, three, our third, third, third time trip together, together.
0: Yeah. your third trip together and, and your fourth trip chrissy was that
1: that's right right yes.
0: okay so um what's made you come back and do the the, the full kongschladen then
1: I probably was pushing at it more than Jeff, I've always, we've always done things that have been up to like probably nine days long, the yeah. longest, but I've always, I've always had this thing about doing something where you're walking for weeks,
0: Yeah, I can. What,
1: it, what would it be like, I mean I have done Pennine Way but I did the first half over weekends and then finished the second half off over a couple of weeks with me and my previous boxer. Um, I had a bit of support from jeff on that because it's quite difficult hiking a long way on your own with a dog because you can't carry all the dog food.
0: that's it yeah yeah
1: but, but i've always had this thing about wanting to do something long where you really are just completely immersed in it for we- mm. weeks on it is too dramatic because a month isn't weeks on end, but it's quite a chunk of time, you know.
0: Well, yeah, I think you get pretty, um, pretty used to the idea of walking every day, and I, and I can well imagine it's going yeah. to be quite tough to adjust when you come back, isn't it? But um, that's
1: right, yeah. Yeah. So I think um, it was probably me who pushed it, and then and Jeff wanted to. Jeff decided he wanted to do it as well. Yeah. Um, which, I, which I'm quite relieved about because I'm I'm not keen on rowing the lakes, so you know that's definitely. Jeff's domain is, is any lake we have to row
0: across. Is that the only reason Obviously. you're getting Jeff to come out with you? <laughs>
1: That's fair enough. <laughs> um, so but you, uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Good stuff. So you mentioned it um, to me before we um, we started recording that you're um, you're heading out on the sixth of August, um, and you you look like you're going to be taking out uh, taking about four weeks to do the um, do the whole uh, the whole route with a few days off. Um, do you want okay. to just sort? Of, do you want to just sort of tell us how, how you came up with that um, sort of time frame to do it?
2: Well, it's, um, we, we bought a guidebook um, quite a while ago um, written by Danielle and Wayne Fenton. Okay. Well, we during we the course like a few years ago. Sorry, did you not catch that?
0: Yeah, I did hear it. Yeah, but um, who, who published that one?
2: Um, it's, it's a company called plan and go because oh,
0: okay. obviously there's the um the collazo guides and um and I think uh Cicerone have just released uh we've a got that one as well yeah actually, but that's a uh, literally only came
2: out a few weeks
0: ago yeah I was talking to uh, to Hannah Stevenson the other day about um, about that because we' we've got Cicerone yeah. on the um on the podcast um in the future, at some point. So uh, yes, yeah, you wanted to know what what guy book you were using. So I said, I'd ask.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it was Hobson's choice. The yeah. um, the other one that you mentioned, the you know, the Swedish one, which has been translated, yeah. is I'll be sensitive and say it's not a good book. Mm. Uh, it's it's difficult to read. It's not accessible. It's got black and white photos in it. There are no maps in it. It's not it's not a user friendly book. Yeah. so we, we we junk that straight away and in contrast um the fenton's book is quite user-friendly and it's interesting that they sow the seed of us walking it south to north traditionally the default is north to south
0: okay. um,
2: and i'm not really sure why i think it's no. just a historic thing because because as more than one person has said um going south to north you've got the wind on your back mm. yeah. Prevailing weather on your backs is the same prevailing conditions as in the UK. Yeah. Um and um, because we've we've done the northern bit, or some bits of the northern bit, mm-hmm. and we both kind of agreed together that it would be it's, it's beautiful around Arbisco where the trail are, mm. and it'd be nice to head up and finish there. That sounds like a bit of a flimsy
0: reason, but <laughs> it'll do for me. You've got to have some sort of reason. I mean, it, you know, it is it's six of one and half a dozen of the other, but I can think of a number yeah. of trails in the UK that are a bit like that. Um, yeah. You know, even in the lowlands, um, you sort of get the interesting bits and some some of them finish in, in suburbia and all sorts, but um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think finishing. And so, and so the
2: finish... The, so they their book suggested, they did it in three weeks. Mm-hmm. And by their own admission, I think they were tied to, to uh, time availability, mm. which we, we don't have a problem really, um, because we're both retired. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: they, say, they, they said that, that four weeks is probably a better time. They, they felt three weeks was pushing it a bit. Yeah, well,
0: what is it in total in, in in miles? Is it about 260, 270, something
1: 270, like that? 270, 270. Yeah. So we're... We're planning on averaging. We're actually planned mm-hmm. 27 days of walking, so we're planning on averaging about 10 miles a day. Perfect. Um, which is which is not bad, you know. And to get pitched up, we quite like pitching sort of afternoon tea time, four yep. in the afternoon or something, and chilling. We, we, we don't generally sort of walk till 7 or 8 o'clock, to be truthful. Not out of choice. No, no quite. Um, you know, and some days they're quite... Um, some days are dead easy underfoot, some days are very tree rooty underfoot. So, mm. you know, some days will take longer than others, but um, but they've done more than that, obviously, they've done it quicker. Yeah.
0: They've
1: found it too, too too pressurized and too hard going. So, so we've got 27 days walking,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we've booked three zero days, one in um yak we've allowed, we've allowed for 3 right? days. It's not booked anything Yakvik. Then yep. another one in yeah and then another one by the salka hut i think i think it's alcohol okay yeah uh, so, so hopefully we've got three days where we can just perhaps do nothing but eat right? <laughs> or a bit of washing or whatever and then we've got another completely spare day yeah now of course any of those three days can be used as, a, as bad weather, you know, if we need something to mop up like a day where you can't move or you don't feel like moving because it's raining all day or whatever, yeah, whatever yeah. I can't, you know, we, we, those three days can be used to mop up as well if necessary. You've got,
0: you've got some contingency about it all. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Good, I like, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, I I mean, like that. mean, it could even be that you get to one of the bakes and the weather's too bad to cross, either too bad to row mm. or... One of the, if the if the weather's bad the motorboats won't come and get you so it could be you end up it can be two nights at the lake or at lake or something so you, you need spare days you do need them so,
0: so tell us about those um, those lake crossings what what have you learned about those have you done some before or
2: no no we haven't um, there there are a number of them I'm not going to unless Chris finds that's it I've yeah. oh, just happened to turn eight bags, <laughs> yeah, eight of them. The very first one, again heading south to north. The very first one is uh, a half kilometre of rowing, and right. there's no option; you have to row it. And it's it's a classic system that's used, whereby there are three boats. Oh yeah. Whatever you do, you have to make sure a boat is left on each shore. Yeah. So your worst case is arriving. <laughs> At a lakeside and finding one boat
0: yeah, because,
2: because that means you have to row over yeah have to. for us i would probably pretty there and then i'd have to row back with another boat
1: towing oh, it
2: yeah. towing it leave it on the south shore and then row back again so i have to do the, the crossing three times <laughs> to make sure that our boat's always there
0: you just know, don't you? It's going to happen every time.
2: Well, I'm I'm hanging on to the fact that I read recently that there is um. It, well, I think this was actually in the uh, in the Cicerone Guard, I think. Yeah. The fact that we're going south to north, you've got a slight advantage because most traffic's coming north to south. Mm-hmm. There, the probability of two boats being on the south side is a bit higher.
0: Yeah, I guess so it would be,
2: wouldn't it? Yeah. Now that, that's that's the first crossing. All of the others have motorboats that you that are operated that you uh, that run by an operator, which you are obliged to pay for. Yeah. And I'm just I'm just glancing down here, and I can see that the cheapest one is a hundred Swedish krona in round figures. I'm not going to get this dead right in round figures. That's ten quid. It's about a
0: tenner, each. isn't it? Yeah.
2: And the most expensive one is thirty-five quid
0: each. Is it? Where, so that's whereabouts is that?
1: Then? Considerable amount.
0: No, it's a lot, and isn't some
1: it? Of, uh, yeah. Some of them are run by Sami people, and there's three of them are run by the Swedish tourists, the STF. Oh, STF.
0: Uh uh-huh. Okay, so so what what would the STF be the equivalent of our U fossil association?
2: Yes. Yeah, it's a little bit, it's a, it's a bit like a suit-up version of you actually. Yeah. There's a lot more to it than that, but it's the nearest you couldn't even get.
1: You have to sort of, some of the boats you get to the lakeside and you have to lift a flag so that somebody on the other side in the distance can see your flag and yeah. then you're there. Some of them you have to ring somebody up beforehand and of course there's not signal everywhere so <laughs> apparently you get odd, odd signs in, in places that say This is the last opportunity to make a
2: phone call for your boat later on. Yeah, there's there's one in particular that goes over a high pass and there's a point on the pass that could referred to where it says, this is the last place you'd get a phone signal. So it's it's quite entertaining. It'd be very difficult to do without without any prior knowledge of all this stuff.
0: Yeah, Um, I think um, it would, wouldn't it? Imagine catching that by surprise.
2: Yeah, guidebooks become valuable so
0: i'm just looking at the map there
2: are, there, are about, there are three of the um crossings where there's an option there's a motorboat motorboat but there's an option to row mm. uh, i must admit i'm not inclined to be rowing um well, i'm booking the longest one i think it's three kilometers mm. i'm not i'm not sure i fancy that you
1: know there's one that's but four I wonder, kilometers yeah, that's right. is. i don't want him to row anything other than be happy. Right. No, no.
2: Yeah, I, I, this one that's a kilometre long, and the, the Yorkshireman me says I'm not paying money to motor across there. <laughs> if, it's a good, if it's a good day, if it's not too windy, um, he uh, can sorry, row it, now, so I'll get I'll, get it. I'll row. It. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's fair enough. but well, I mean, I suppose if it's a, yeah, if it's a lovely gin clear day and and it's uh, like a mirror, then uh, then it might be quite nice, mightn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm just looking at the map now, and um, I'm looking at, um, at the spot at uh, Salto L'Octa to and then there's kind of a, a break in the trail to Vaco Tavari or Vaco Tavari oh, the
1: spot There is. Yeah. What it's, happens there? It's it seventeen kilometres? Yeah. There's, there's there's basically there's no watch there's, there's the STF what
0: is at so, Sal is it so, Salto, L'Octa. Salto
1: L'Octa, Locta, Yeah. And then you cross the lake on a boat. Yeah. And then basically no trail from there up to back to, I'm not very good at pronunciation one. Yeah. Yeah, Vacto
0: yeah, to um, is it? That's it, back to, oh that's right,
1: yeah. 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 And so there is a bus.
0: We'll put the spelling in the notes. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So
1: you catch a you catch a bus, basically. Oh do you? Um, I mean you could walk 17 miles up the tarmac i suppose if you really wanted to but right basically everybody catches the but the, the bus is it, it's laid on as it were it um it meets the boats going across the lake yeah and then it's actually two buses but there's one short journey to a little dwelling and then you get on another another bus mm-hmm. and it takes you all the way up to back to back to back, back to <laughs> I'll
0: and take your word you for it. <laughs>
1: that's right. And then you continue walking from there.
2: And I've just checked it. It's actually 30 kilometres, 19 miles. Is it? So yeah. you'd have to be walking 30 kilometres on the road. You really
0: oh, no, that doesn't awesome. sound like a lot of fun to me. I must admit, you know, 10, 10 miles on the road Generally, is...
2: Generally, everybody does it. It's the accepted way not do it. Yeah, well, so
0: that's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's good enough for me. So, um... What about what about travel out there? How how are you getting to, to Hemavan? I know you said you were flying in, but you're you're are you uh... we're
2: flying? We're flying from Manchester to Stockholm via Copenhagen. Yeah. I thought you to
1: it was Oslo. Uh, Oslo. Okay. So, well, I don't know. Michael well, anyway,
2: <laughs> it's two hops. That's in that's in one day. Yeah. Uh, we're staying over. We've got an overnight hotel here just just near Stockholm Airport and the next day we're going from stockholm and flying to emma yeah which for the southernmost point which for us is the start point and yeah. we we'll get there early, get
1: afterno- afterno- early afternoon early
2: mid afternoon and uh, we've just we've got some chores to do there mm-hmm. we've got to um, go buy some gas yeah you can't fly any gas true so i have to gas we have to package up our um Bags, soft, yeah. soft bags that the rucksacks will be in mm-hmm. we're going to pack those up and, and post them to our final destination and uh, then we're setting out on the trail for uh, probably three or four months on the trail
0: yeah right okay well are you going to uh, find a spot to camp on the first night yeah,
1: yeah. that's right
0: yeah yeah okay and, are you, are you, and then
1: on the way
2: sorry on the way on Karen. the way back just to finish that mm. on, the, on the way back we, we finish up in Arbisco we've got yeah. a night in a hostel in Arbisco we get a train and the next day down to Karuna, we've got another night there, and then we fly from Karuna via Stockholm back to Manchester.
0: Back to Manchester. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we we change um, the aircraft down at, um, at Stockholm, or is it just a, a stop and? Carry no on?
1: change of aircraft. Yes. Yeah. And I think we I think it's a two hot back from Manchester. Brave,
0: yeah. Okay. So it's not um, it's not the most straightforward place to get to, is it?
1: No, it's not really, no, but it's, no not, it's
0: not. Not a real pig though, either, so.
1: No, no. But, I mean, we, we did wonder, we, we we got quite excited at one point about the idea. You, you can get a leaper train from Stockholm yeah. to a place called, I think it was Umia, and then, so you're overnight on the train, and then the next day, a bus out to Hemmerbach, which okay. is a five hour journey. And it, and it was the sleeper train idea that got us quite excited, and then in the end we, we, we decided
0: to book the flight instead, which is only a couple of days, like. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, when I went out with with Simon in two thousand and seventeen, we uh, he lives just north of Stockholm in Uppsala,
2: so yeah, yeah.
0: I flew into Stockholm and he picked me up, and I stayed with him for that night, and then the following yeah. day we flew up to Kiruna because we started we yeah. did a Bisco to Nicola Octa. Um, yeah, yeah. And we and we flew up to um to to Kiruna and then took the the, the train to uh, to Abisko. So it was actually relatively straightforward and, and quite relaxed because we had that sort of. Um, I mean, he was at home already anyway, so <laughs> it was easy for him. Yeah, and, it's,
1: and it's only about an hour from Kiruna to Abisko, anyway, isn't it? Yeah,
0: it's not actually. too bad. Quite a nice journey as well. So
1: when we went to Kvikjok to Selig, that was a a few. Hours, I think that was three hours on the train. Yeah. To from Lulia, we flew up to Luleå, then two or three hours on the train to, you know, I can't remember where, and then it was a four or five-hour bus journey out to Krigga. And I I don't particularly like bus buses or coaches; they are really, Mm. but in actual fact, they don't. It's not like being on a school trip down the M1, where they, you know, they all scare you silly overtaking everything. It's it's, it's very relaxed. They are tootling along. no no more than about forty miles an hour. in people up here, there, and everywhere in the woods where they live to go somewhere else. It's like a local bus for four or five hours, and it's probably they're probably the most relaxing bus journey I've ever been on in my life.
2: It's a bit like watching one of those slow like, TV programs. Yes. <laughs> it's quite delightful with all these lovely trees. The, the, yeah, the
1: funny thing is that four or five hours through the Swedish countryside a very gentle pace in a bus or which was not bad at all. No, not as bad as it I seems. wouldn't want that to the thought of that to put anyone off, actually. It's fairly it pleasant.
0: No, I was gonna say it sound, sounds sounds alright, it doesn't sound too painful to me. I mean I know that they can be a bit of a but then I guess if you've not visited before, everything, every single mile of it is new to you, isn't it? So um,
2: fabulous.
0: Yeah, fabulous and, and obviously people aren't hearing about like madmen um, over on the M six or something like that, are they? So
2: Oh, not, at all. not no. at all.
0: Yeah, good point. Okay, so you camp in the first night. Are you are you um, camping every night? Are you using huts at all to stay over, or are you t- t- tell me the we're the accommodation? Not
2: actually, we're not actually planning on using huts per se, yeah. except that we may we may have a night a night or two in huts on our zero days, and it, it depends. It's going to depend on a lot of things because it's not cheap. Mm. Um, you know, you could be paying, you, we could easily be paying a hundred quid for a, for a, a room for, for the night for two of us. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll depend on a lot of things, it'll depend on how we feel, what the weather's like. Everywhere that we're going to stay, there's always an option to camp anyway. So if it's glorious sunny weather and we're feeling fine, we might have two nights camping for our zero day and ourselves bail ourselves over. The, the flesh pots of the whatever village we're in. Yeah. Uh, uh, on the other hand, we might, we may use huts, but we're not, we're not planning on
1: using huts actually as we trek. trekking, we're, what? Other than to top up with food? Yeah, yes. to
0: resupply. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, we're not. I don't think we have to. I don't think we have to carry any more than four days worth of food at a time. It might be five days between. Yeah. From memory, between Yakdick and Crickyacht. Between Yakdick and Kvikyok, and Kvikyok mm-hmm. there are no STF huts. Oh, yeah, I mean, right. that's
0: quite a stretch, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and and it's about, I think it's five days we've allowed for that for that walk. Yeah. Uh, for that section. So we've got all the food to carry for that. I think this is partly why the southern, Kvikyok's about halfway. Mm. This is partly why the southern half is so quiet, I think, because... A lot of people will do sections and it appears a lot of people will will do especially that very northern section that's why we like picked to it go from hut to hut
0: yeah we that's why we picked it not to go from hut to hut but so that we had that um that safety and uh, and it gave us the confidence of knowing that we'd have somewhere um if things were to go wrong because it was you know it was our first um, experience of hiking yeah, overseas yeah, so
1: exactly. yeah. yeah yeah and it's of course it's the other thing about that very northern section is it is totally spectacular. Fabulous, well, yeah,
0: I can second that.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I believe there's the bit out of Hemmerband similar, as I understand. Mm-hmm. And then I there's a lot of sort of high moorland and forests, which um, will still be wild and remote and all the rest of it. But the, I think the real, the real spectacular thing area
0: is that um, very normal bit isn't it yeah I
1: mean you just well, well, you know I'm sure we'll, we'll see anyway won't we? well absolutely that's yeah. the whole
0: idea isn't it so uh, if you knew it all already you wouldn't be heading out there would you <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah.
0: Exactly. yeah exactly so yeah I mean one of my questions were going to be you know uh, you're not going to be carrying enough food for the whole trip but um, what um, what's your go-to grub what what do you like to look forward to at the end of a, of a day?
1: Gosh, I am a very fussy eater. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm really hard. I mean, the first we go, we're going to set off with three days worth of food that we will take out from here. Yeah. And it will be freeze dried evening meals. Yeah. Snack bars and that, and we, we tend to be porridgey people for for breakfast. And um, I've done a couple of trips recently um, on my own. I did half the coast to coast in September and. Um, what did I do just recently? Penn Bridalway, where I've been, mm-hmm. where I've stocked up more on my own. I've, I was still carrying everything for like seven days or something. I've, I've gone into local shops and, and had a go. Yeah. And it sounds a bit daft, doesn't it? But I know, but had a go with thinking, right, what can I buy from this corn shop, this co-op, this tiny co-op for the next? It's going to last me for the next four days, and I'm going to enjoy and I'm going to eat. <laughs> so, um, and actually, it's fair to say I actually thoroughly enjoyed that. It was quite. It was a bit of a sort of. Challenge. But I did actually really enjoy it because I don't. The only meat I eat is chicken. Oh, is and it? And yeah, and I'm I am quite fussy. I mean, I will eat. <laughs> but on the other hand, if all the food we can get is a is a beef freeze dried meal somewhere, I will eat it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I won't right. mind it, but I'll eat it. Well, speak, um, speaking as the you know, speaking as the cook of the pie, <laughs>
2: Um I've got a little bit more experience than Chrissy has of this kind of thing primarily from my ventures on a bicycle. Okay.
0: Because I I
2: cycled I cycled Camp Lee Jog in uh Lanz john groves in twenty fifteen. Right. And last year I cycled from san Marlo to Nice, eleven hundred miles across France. And I only chuck that in because I'm very familiar with buying stuff in whatever shop I can get to and cooking it on my little stone. Yeah. So I've got I've got, I'm sure you won't mind me saying yeah. this, I've got a lot more experience mm. in that than she. So it, it, it kind of doesn't floor me. But together, we'll, we'll, we'll work it's through it And it's interesting that the um, there's a couple of independent shops that we know about on the way, but mostly we're using the STF books that we keep referring to. And it's a fantastic organisation. Online, you can actually view precisely... Well, Precisely what their normal stock is, and they yeah. have three levels of, of, of shop, uh, small, medium and large, and all the ones where in are either large or medium, and you can go onto their website and it tells you exactly what they normally stock, and they do things like selling um, pasta and rice loose by weight, so you can put it into a plastic bag, which is brilliant, you know, not only keeps down but it enables you to to plan properly and not buy a pointless amount of something. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, You can go on there and before we even set out, we know exactly what sorts of things they sell. So I mean, that's, uh, that's gotta make it of,
0: so much more accessible to, to people who are um, who are not used to sort of going out it's almost better than, than picking up the Pennine Way or something like that, isn't it, as your first hike?
2: In a way, because you know what to expect. And whilst you haven't got a whole supermarket they are really small by the yeah. end. Think your average corner shop, and you won't go far off. Mm -hmm. Uh, But nevertheless, it's everything you will need to buy. There's essentials, you know, breakfast stuff, dinner stuff, lunch stuff, toilet rolls, etc., etc. Everything you have to have, they will have in that shop, unless you're unlucky enough to turn up on a day when they've just run out X, Y, or Z.
0: (laughs) And they're waiting for a quad bike to pull it all in. In,
2: in. Well, indeed, or or in fact a helicopter.
0: Which oh yes, is the yeah.
2: way that most of these remote books are s- supplied which goes some way to explain as they as they explain on their own website why the price is yes they are a bit more than the average shop yeah but, you have to respect uh, that not, don't you they're not excessively bad uh, just to give, to give you an illustration we're big fans of uh, Blaband Food, who mm-hmm. are a Scandinavian company and they sell Blaband meals uh, we just, we cheaper just, than here. Well, we just ordered some the other day. <laughs> uh, we use, um, was it what was it called? Um, Basecamp, Basecamp food. food. We're just waiting for a, a small order from Basecamp food for our mission supplies, and they sell uh, blob and meals for about £6.75 each. Uh, not the cheapest, but they are very good quality. And I noted the other day that the STF put them for ninety kroner, and it's something like eleven or twelve. To the pound at the moment, so yep. do the maths yourself. Mm. But if I said they're about seven quid, I'm not far off. So in other words, they're a similar price, a similar price, to... aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So uh, given that most things are more expensive in the UK, that's not too bad. So the joke of it is, we'll probably end up treating ourselves, dare I say it, to a uh, the odd blah blah meal
0: instead <laughs> but, of actually uh, having I- real food. Yeah, I know what you mean. But which is well, yeah, it is, it is real food, isn't it? But. Uh... <laughs> We they're use. quite nice, aren't they, some of these uh some of these meals. They're
1: not, uh, yeah, they're not quality.
2: like they used to be. i am just going to my time back fucking
0: after All right, so um that's food covered. Um what um what about a trail mix? Do you have anything for nibbling on the hoof or you know, do you ever... have oh,
1: I'll only have my favourite for the first three days. I tend to make my own up of um I'll make up trail mix of of hazelnuts and chopped up jelly babies and M&M's and <laughs> perhaps some raisins or something. But but beyond that, I'll, I'll eat lots of uh, ooh, things like Velveeta and um, yeah. muesli bars and chocolate bars. And that's kind of what I nibble like during the day. Sometimes it's like cheese as well.
0: And will you stop I for, they sell cheese at Yeah, they, yeah, they. I've I've seen the, the, the cheese in the uh, in the northern huts certainly. So yeah. you'll be able to if yeah. not if not real cheese, then squeezy cheese.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 a very sweet orientated person. I can and tell. Because I, won't, I don't <laughs> eat things. I couldn't begin to eat things really like pepperoni and that. But Jeff can eat, so, so I am very sweet orientated in what I eat through the day. But I don't think it matters too much if you've got a. a Good breakfast and then a good meal and an evening.
0: So is you that is them. that the uh, the strategy then? Just to have a good breakfast, nibble during the day, and then finish it with a with meal at night.
1: Yeah. 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 You, usually a dessert as well, to be honest, yeah. like custard and cake or something. We are very, we're both very keen on
2: fueling ourselves on on backpacking trips. Um, not, not, a, not in favour of uh, keep your food down to a minimum. I can manage on X, Y, and Z in a day. I think that's a, a route to failure. My humble opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. so eat as, yeah, eat as much as you can. Keep yourself fueled up. Always have something spare. I, th- I think that's the way to go for it.
0: Sounds like good advice. And we all, like, we all like a bit of some bit of food, don't we? When <laughs> when we,
2: Absolutely. when we reach
0: the end of a trail, well,
2: that, getting the yeah. tents up. Yeah. Uh, Putting a brew on, having a coffee or a tea, and guzzling something, whatever you fancy. You know,
1: just guzzling it down before you. That, you know. um, and another point about the STF huts actually is mm-hmm. that every time you pass a hut, they will take let you drop your rubbish off as well. Yeah. So unlike trips we've done in the past, where you go out for eight or nine days, so you set off with eight or nine days worth of food, and then you come back with eight or nine days worth of rubbish in your rucksack as well. And it's always amazing how much space—not weight—but how much space the rubbish takes is quite fascinating, really. But um, the STF huts will let you drop your rubbish off, so that's quite—that's quite nice, really. That you don't end up with a bag full of eight-day-old rubbish.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Because some of it might be, a, you know, a little bit perishable, mightn't it? By the end of the, uh, even the remnants of what you've left in your in your packets and whatnot.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Well, not to not to mention the dreaded toilet paper that we always pack out. Well, well, exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, having those huts there is going to be um pretty good. So you have got five days worth of um of a smelly bag then.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will do on that on that section. There'll be there'll be I think it's five days where there's no, But yeah. um, but five days. I don't know. I don't I'm not really thinking about any issues with carrying five days worth of food. No.
2: no. And let's say it's a bit of a. It's a bit of an exaggeration. All the books refer to and all the websites you see refer to this notorious section that has no STF huts, quote-unquote. But they do pass through other tiny uh, settlements. Mm. Uh, and, and there are other places you can stay should oh, you choose to. There that are, that are, that are no, got, there's some independent hostels on that on that section. So that, that it's just there are no STF huts. Um, so there are there are other things. There may be no shops, but there are other places you can drop into if if, if, things, know, went, if things things went away you it,
0: know? Yeah, if you get get into bother, then you, you've got some sort of a a, yes. a a get out clause, if you like. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, we um we hiked the the northern section. We managed to see quite a bit of wildlife. Um, we. We saw eagles. We saw um reindeer. Obviously, the reindeer are semi-managed herds on on parts of those sections. We also saw a couple of moose. Are, are you um Are you hoping to see anything you've not seen before, or a couple of moose in the distance would be nice. Yeah,
1: it? We, I don't yeah, think we've seen a moose. Yet not, not, not Well, we have seen, when we, we were driving there. Yeah, we that's trimming up When we went took the motor home there a few years ago, we saw moose on the road. But uh, <laughs> we saw in reindeer last time we were on. We? Yes
2: um Yeah, there's yeah. outside chance you might see a bear but i think it's fairly unlikely. Um, there are there are bears but not enough really to be in any way concerned about
1: evens would be nice as well yeah they? yeah yeah definitely yeah, so, i thought i smelt a bear on one trip but uh, oh really they, <laughs> yeah they, they have a sort of just, from what i remember in the states there's, there's a sort of it's a different smell when bears were around and i was convinced i could smell um Ooh. what i call the bear smell but, uh, but i certainly didn't see one so but you never
0: know well absolutely i mean it'd be fantastic if you did wouldn't it and you and you know you won't have your camera ready don't you <laughs> <laughs> no
1: no no we won't know. no we have
0: to say hang on there stay <laughs> um okay so you you're out there for four weeks um, you're gonna need to rely on your kit quite extensively particularly if you're not um, if you're not using the huts what's the um what's the tent what what, what bit of equipment are you using for your tent and, and your pack and, and so on just run, run through the big the big three okay. if you like well, we have a we
1: have a, a it's a terra nova polarite3 and um, if you split it between the two of us, it mm-hmm. comes out at one point seven kilograms each, which is like the same as an actor. Yeah. So okay. that seems a fair that's towards that's an acceptable weight each. it's a three, but it's a three, it's a three person, person tent, tent. And it's it's just lovely. It's a it's a hoop tent. It looks like a typical um the three hoop tent. Sun
0: tent. No, yeah, oh, it looks yeah a okay. Bit so a, bit a hoop tunnel tent, um sort of an, uh, a Nordic adventurer's tent, that sort that's of thing. Right, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's it's just it's just wonderful, because you can get, I mean, we in the States we used to backpack, well we backpacked all the time with Terra Voyagers, which yeah. is a classic, traditional 2 bird tent. Well in the States, you can do that, you can have an inner pitch first tent, mm-hmm. which is not big enough for your rucksack, so your rucksack has to sit outside all night, because you don't get the rain, generally, that you get everywhere else. We, I mean, we have had rain in the States, and yeah. snow over, but it's not the norm. Whereas, whereas you can get every, anything here and and <laughs> so. Yeah, we're well so used to the wet, done,
0: aren't
1: we? <laughs> exactly. So it's an outer pitch first and being three berths, it's it's cavernous. It really is cavernous. So everything. You can even put a wet rucksack in because there's so much space it doesn't have to touch anything. You if you're can there, shrink
0: away from it in, a, in some corner of the tent. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the only things that are in the porch basically are the water and the cooking stuff. Yeah.
2: Oops. It's probably wet waterproofs and cooking Yeah,
1: place. Yeah, and everything else goes in the tent. Loads of room to spare. Um, we have, it's got the same height, this tunnel is like the same height nearly all the way along. So you can sit on a, we've got a Thermarest rest chair kit each to put on our ex-therms. And there's loads of headroom that you can use the chairs inside, the chair kit inside the tent as well.
0: OK, so that's, that's a little um, kind of a harness um, device thing that turns the uh, the sleeping pad into a, into a chair, is that that's right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. They're they're very likely. It wouldn't go anywhere, you know. <laughs> yes. Unless I've got my Helinox chair, but that's a nice that's story. That's the bike
0: uh, <laughs> Tell us about the Helinox chair, yeah. Jeff. come on. <laughs> oh, no,
2: sorry, That's more to so touring, isn't it? Well, I've heard a bit
0: about them, but uh, t- tell everyone else.
1: Stop. What do they wear? They oh, they're quite hefty.
2: You know, about grams, Something I like 800 grams, it packs up, in, up into a thing it's about a similar size to a thermo Which rather, of them.
0: Right, okay. it's,
2: just, it's just blissful, it's a little D, DAC um, aluminium style poles that slot together and make a little chair that sits about six inches off the ground. And it's just, it's just wonderful. You
1: can carry a bit more weight on the bike, so it's, it's, well, it's, you it's can. really it's more suited to cycling. chair, kit, really comfortable. I,
2: I joke about it. But the, the, the fundamental point is that I bought one of these Thermarest chair kits yeah. uh, four or five years back, and the first time we went to Sweden, Chrissy didn't have one, I had one, and now all our close friends have got them, including me. Um, <laughs> yeah. including, including
1: I was so jealous of him. <laughs> spending one we were st- we were in the tent one afternoon on our um abisco to Nicola Mocta trip where it was just Pissing it down all afternoon. And it's big enough. You rattle around in this tent, and he sat on his chair all afternoon reading, and I'm trying to keep comfy for four hours, fidgeting know, and changing
0: arms. position I'm and all, t- all that.
1: I'm too old to try sitting up without having <laughs> to lean on, Carl. That's
2: what it boils down to, and I'm not ashamed to admit
0: it. Well, that's fair know, enough. That's fair enough. I think we've all experienced that bit when you're when you're leaning on one arm for too long, and you get up and
2: exactly. oh my. Exactly. <laughs> So, that, so that's the tent, and, and we've got, as we said, we've, got, we've both got Thermarest, air Experms.
1: Rab sleeping bags. we both got Rab sleeping bags that are similar, about 600 weight. 600, yeah. not good weight, but they are Neutrino 600. They rab Neutrino
0: 200. 600,
1: yeah. So solid three-season down sleeping bags. And then yep. um, rucksacks, well, they're Osprey. Jeff has the a, a, what's called a... A Kestrel sixty eight I think it is and mine's the female version, the kite sixty six. So so they're not the lightest rucksacks in the world, but neither of us the weigh I think it's one point eight kilograms empty. Okay. Neither of us have had, have had any success with lighter rucksacks. We we seem to get too uncomfortable around the hips and, and everything.
2: So and it's interesting that um, we both So these were well for us. We both took bigger rucksacks than that, but um, Osprey ones and, and it's 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 fascinating when you see people on the train in Sweden. I guess you may have noticed this. Virtually everybody's got big osprey rucksacks, mm-hmm. uh, to the point where when I took mine off the bus in uh, Kiruna when we were the last there, uh, somebody else took my rucksack out, was about to walk away with it. Cause there's <laughs> so many grey osprey rucksacks, in yeah. the same capacity, the same style as mine. So. Uh, people who use them, the Swedes use them, the Germans use them. Yeah. Well,
0: wow. It was either that or Deuter. Uh, yes, yeah. you do see a yes, few of yeah.
1: yeah. those. I've never tried one. I've got, no, I found um, the Osprey, the female versions of Osprey suit, yes. suit my body shape well, so I stick with what Oh, I think I'm on my fourth rucksack backpacking sack from them now,
0: so yeah. stick with what we what you yeah. know. Yeah, I use the um, the Osprey Talon 44, and uh, we, yeah. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, Simon Simon had a bigger pack at the time when we did um, when we did the the northern section, and uh, I used to get quite a lot of remarks about how small my pack is and how I fit everything in it. But uh, it's yeah. surprising, you know, that if you if you pick a smaller pack, your gear tends to follow. And you get you manage to fit it in, whereas someone with an eighty liter pack we just fill that up as well, don't they? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think well, usually when I go out with my sixty six, it's actually it's not full at all. No, you know I can fit seven or eight days worth of food in it quite happily. So if you're going out just for a few nights, there's there's loads space in at the top to be there well I can assure
0: Um, you that it would be filled to the brim if I took it out and I'd be swearing and cussing under the weight because I'm such an idiot when I go out walking that I'll take everything I think I really might like because I've got the space for it so hence the 44
1: (laughs) yeah I mean we like we like having our little bits of comfort I mean I'm trying to think what what sort of special I don't know.
2: Oh, uh, well, the the, the, the frickeries that we carry, and they get to be more and more these days. Even <laughs> though we do our best to be lightweight, and I use the phrase lightweight rather than ultralight, we are lightweights. Yeah. But um, over the last few years, you find you find yourself adding stuff. And one example would be the thermos chair kit. I won't go into any doubt. But another one would be the little. Um, the little electric pump that we
1: have <laughs> <laughs> to
2: pump up the exterms pump up the X-terns, which isn't it isn't the standard i can't give you the brand right now but it isn't a thermorester it's a far more efficient one that we just can't live without it it pumps the it pumps a in less than 60 seconds oh does it and i it, when you're on a long trip it, it falls to me we, we share duties we put our tent up Chrissy usually puts the inner in, yeah. and then I sort the inside of the tent out while Chrissy goes and filters water. And it, the tediousness of <laughs> blowing up two thermorests yeah. every day for nine days, not to mention doing it every way every day for twenty seven days, which I've never done before. So yes, this little this little pump is going with us and it is it will will be recharged hopefully from time to time to uh, recharge the lithium battery. So that's another thing that weighs oh, yes. I say it weighs a couple hundred grams. We will take two twenty thousand amp power power packs with us, yep. anchor power packs that most people are familiar with these days. But we take two of those to try and give ourselves the insurance that for the most part we'll keep stuff charged up. Yeah. Because we're using our normal default is to use our telephones on airplane mode but we use um view ranger yeah G- yes, mapping we have we have swedish mapping on there we have for a while yeah so that that's our go-to uh, navigation device yes we will have paper maps as well
0: yeah well, I, swear, well, I swear by so, that method
2: yeah we'll use our phones for, for mapping and for taking most of the photographs yeah and yes, yeah, Chrissy rightly points out Kindle, maybe the old, maybe the odd Netflix—you never know. Mm-hmm. So so again, we, kept, we, we carry these huge, great power packs with us that we wouldn't have done for years gone by. But it's it's great to have that insurance that you know you can plug your phone at the end of the day, and um, perhaps within an hour or two, it's fully charged again.
1: Oh, the other thing I, I've just really I've thought about is, uh, is our water filter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we we do have um, an MSR Guardian water purifier that we take, which you've probably seen, because various people have, have got them. Andy Walker's yeah. got one, and Alan Sloan's got one, David Williams, lots of people have
0: them.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that will go with us. And it's not just, it's not, I mean, you know, we can take water out of lakes quite happily. Mm. And you know, the rivers might be generally perfectly okay to drink from, but our backstory our back is that um, some years ago Jeff picked up jardia from from a, a river in the UK oh,
0: that's
1: yeah and was seriously ill with it so
0: whereabouts you, was you
1: that? That. that that kind of puts you off taking the risk to be honest if you avoid yeah. where
2: about any, whereabouts sorry.
0: was that sorry
2: you never believe anyone that tells you there isn't any Jardia in the UK I can promise you that the UK water is, Authority will tell you. It is endemic right across the world. There is, yeah. Yeah. That's not to say, of course, that that most people won't contract it. And and everybody's got that story, or everybody in the aunt has that story that says, Well, I've always drunk water from Scottish streams, it's never done me any harm. Yeah, I'm that person.
0: I'm that person.
2: (laughs) It is fine, and I and and I do believe it's fine. I wouldn't do it. No. Once bitten, twice shy.
1: Well, the, the thing we really like, like about um, that that filter, as much as anything. I mean, it's it, it's not it's not light. It weighs like the same as half a litre of water. Yeah. But you can get you can get water out of puddles. Believe me, because I've camped in the UK and been nowhere near any fresh water. Yeah. And I have filtered four litres out of, out of a muddy puddle for the night and the next morning, and it copes with that, which. What what that does in its widest sort of sense is it opens up all sorts of places to camp to camp or the camp. Yeah. So that's something so you don't that have to be next to a river or a lake. Yeah.
0: That's something that I think a lot of people would um would be concerned about if they're um, if they're hiking so the, your, your advice then I guess and um, and I I I always take a water filter with me for, for that situation if you've got a, a mucky puddle or a, or a dank tarn or something like that but that's all you've got yes. um, but uh, so yes uh, people might be concerned about not being able to get, get enough water and then maybe carrying two litres up with them and not drinking enough of it because they're saving it for camp so yeah. you'd endorse carrying a filter as well then
1: yeah, and well, of, it, certainly
2: the, work, it certainly works for us, yeah. 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 It just, just, we have. There are two things that are wrong with it. One is it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm playing Gavin's advocate now. Mm-hmm. One is it weighs about half a kilogram, yep. and the other is that it costs approaching 300 pounds. Right. Um, The half kilogram weight is interesting that what a number of people we know have bought them since we bought ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always had a purifier like this. Prior to this one we had a different weight um but it's a car awesome thread now yeah it, it's it's in, an interesting point is that it weighs 500 grams but whereas we used to carry a liter of water we each with this our drinking bottle we don't we carry half a liter yeah because if we run out of water we can stop most places
1: and get some more water i mean there's no the there's no shortage of water in along the kungsland i'm sure basically no um you know there's plenty of rain generally and there's plenty of water and you're going to be
0: crossing eight lakes in the first...
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, so you can pick up probably every couple of hours if you if you need another half liter of water, you will find somewhere to filter yeah. frost So you can, you can offset the waste. Yeah, yeah. But I think so it's, that, it's that ability to be able to... I mean, some people seem quite horrified when I say, oh, I've filtered four litres before we go to bed. Well, as soon as we pitch, probably with two of us, not, it'll be... it'll. I might even filter six liters just because yeah. we've got the bottles. To be honest, yeah. I'll, I'll go. I'll go and sort water while these sorts of the, the inside of the tent, and I'll come back when there's the two of us. I'll come back with six liters of water, and that lasts us, you know, like a, a a late evening brew, a late afternoon brew, everything we need for dinner, hot chocolate at night, or everything we need for breakfast, and we'll probably then have. Half a litre left each at yeah. least, and to set off with the next with. morning. Yeah. but the, the thing is, it's dawning like 10 5 10 minutes, and Mate. then you don't have to get out of your tent again
2: all night. Sounds brilliant. <laughs> Many people will be aghast at the notion of um, between the two of us using sort of six to eight litres of water on an overnight camp, but the fact is, it's what we've got used to because when you have um uh water purifier which is the phrase we should use mm. that's um, as easy to use as ours is it's very easy to draw yourself six to eight liters of water we, we carry two two collapsible three liter water canteens. So yeah. that makes it you see they weigh next to nothing and empty. so that i say that helps that helps to color it a bit and the one thing I, I i would emphasize is that although both chris and i have used the price filter it is a water purifier yeah um it's and it is fundamentally different from most water filters on the market. But I'll try not to bore you too much with that. If anybody's, <laughs> look it up. It's an MSR Guardian Purifier.
0: Okay, that's good. I'll put a link to um to that in the uh, in the notes afterwards, anyway, so that people can look that up. Um, and I'll, I'll try and do that with the the rest of the gear that you've mentioned, anyway, because. Um, a lot of people are curious about gear. And whilst I don't want to go into massive amounts of detail, people will be asking questions. So we can cover that afterwards if people put questions in the comments. So, um, all right. So I think what we'll do is we'll draw to a close now. But if you've got any uh, any top tips for folks starting out on their first trip, what would they be?
2: First trip anywhere?
0: Yeah, first first <laughs> overnight backpacking trip. What, maybe a one-nighter, you know, what, what would your advice be to that person, assuming they've got a base level of knowledge for navigation?
1: I suppose I might say, especially if you're going on your own, perhaps go somewhere where you've walked before mm-hmm. um, so that you don't feel like you've gone somewhere way out of your comfort zone. Because perhaps the very first trip you might be feeling a bit nervous. So go somewhere you know. Somewhere you've passed a few times on a day walk, Mm -hmm. so so that you're not um, too sort of taxed by it. Um, That would be one something I would say.
0: Okay, what about you, Jeff? I
1: would would say make sure you're
2: comfortable. Take yourself a nice treat. It might be a huge, great bar of fruit and nuts, (laughs) or it might be half a bottle of wine, or it might be a flask of whiskey. But take yourself something that makes, makes you feel happy when you get to camp, and makes you enjoy it. The time to prune stuff down is when you have a little more experience, you're able to say, I don't really need that or I don't really need this. But make yourself comfortable, make it a pleasurable experience.
0: Sounds like a good, good bit of advice there. And um, just quickly then, um, Without going into any detail, your what has been your favourite backpacking trip so far of all the trips you've done?
1: Gosh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, it's very. I think it's, it's very difficult. I think I know what I
2: would say. We've we've been to yeah. We won't labour it. I think the first time that Chrissy and I went to Sweden because we did the Arbisco to Nikolajsa. And um, I have a, a really fond memory of the back route that we did up by a mountain called Mallow.
0: Yeah,
2: and it was just absolutely out of this world. It just the scenery. We were blessed with good weather, and the scenery just took my breath away.
0: Fabulous.
1: Mm-hmm. I, think I, I think I would I would agree, but I have another really favourite one as well. Go on which then. Was the, the first time, so they, they kind of ranked together. Yeah. The first time we ever did a seven day trip around the High Sierra in Yosemite, so Ooh. we were we were above about eight, we were above ten thousand feet for the whole of a week, more or less, and that that was just I can remember at the end of that we were just absolutely wowed out with what we'd done. Um. So I think they both rank. They both rank with me. Those
0: fantastic, fantastic. Well, um thanks ever so much for for agreeing to do this um i mean folk the folk that are listening will know that it's it's our first um, our first recording of a of a podcast so thanks for uh, for kicking us off with a, with a really interesting one i mean i i am a bit of a fan of the, um, the the northern area of sweden anyway so uh, and i've only been once so so um, and i'd love to go back uh, i You'll just want to go in the back. Well, absolutely, and uh, you know, I can always, uh, I can always rope Simon in to, to be a companion. He's he's very keen to head back. So, um, thanks again, um, for coming in. Is there anything that you wanted to say, um, before we go at all? Any, do you want to give us, uh, give, give us your, your details of your blogs? Uh, yeah,
2: that, yeah, why not? Um, mine my blog is far not fast, all the word, um, uh, and that's on Blogger. Yep. Uh, I can't remember the exact address, but you only need to Google it and you'll find me. Far
1: not fast on Blogger. Okay. And, and my my blog's called Dixie. That's a WordPress blog. And you might have to put, you can get it on Google, you might have to put in Dixie um, Intrepid Boxer Dog or something <laughs> like that into Google. Because well, Dixie was my my previous boxer that I did the pen anyway with.
0: I know when I look you guys up, I, I just type in Jeff Crow, Jeff Crow the blog and, and Chrissy Crow the blog. Uh, and and you come up so uh, (laughs) if we know far not fast and we know dixie i'll put the links up anyway so don't worry about that but um yeah that's what i've been doing and you've been coming up first time so (laughs) all right guys well thanks ever so much for your time and um what i'd love is if you don't mind coming back when you're finished and tell us all about it
2: yeah great absolutely
1: dear pleasure yeah thanks for
0: asking us oh it's no it's a pleasure to have you on it's been really nice talking to you and uh and hopefully we'll get up uh get up into the hills and and, uh, have a a trip together sometime.
1: That'd be great. Absolutely.
0: Stay in touch, guys. We'll speak soon.
2: Cheers. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Carl. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Well there we have it folks a great insight into the backpackers world in the lead up to their big adventure we'll catch up with Chrissy and Jeff once they're back from Sweden to hear how things went for them that's it for the first episode of the Find Your Adventure podcast thanks so much for listening next episode we have Joe Williams from Cicerone Press producers of outstanding adventure guidebooks and we've an exclusive discount for you Find Your Adventure podcast listeners listen to the whole podcast to get the code follow Find Your Adventure on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Find Your ADV, and keep an eye on www.findyouradventure.co.uk for details of upcoming events and adventures.